You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 201st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons rookies are reporting today, so we're definitely going to talk about that. But this title of this episode is going to be, Here's How the NFL Can Play During the Pandemic. We're going to hear from Dr. Ray McClain, Give you some D. Smith for J.C. Treader from the NFL PA and uh, go with you or try to paint the picture with in theory of how things need to work for them to play football this season. They're going to be, um, uh, you know, some some issues. We're going to let the doctors explain it. Then I'll try to sum it up for you. We'll hit some of those issues. We uh, also talk about the rookie sign and all six. And they're reporting today. To our knowledge, they're all there. So with that, we went ahead and started our countdown to camp, uh, not knowing when we're going to get in there. Their fans are not going to get in there. And if we do get in there, it's going to be limited. Uh, but we're still going to need people to, to be available to us. The All-Decade team came out on Monday. We'll look at that. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week on what the offense is going to look like Uh Pretty much came out like we uh, thought. And then uh, first day of practice, July the 30th, August the 3rd. We'll see uh, how that breaks down. But, yeah, last week we talked to Dr. Ren McLean from Santa Monica, California. He's a sports performance doctor and in regenerative medicine. Gave us a pretty good primer on how the NFL can play and the testing and so forth. So we're going to get right to that. And then go into some a uh, little bit of uh, Demaris Smith and J.C. Treader, the executive director and the uh, president of the Players Union, as we, you know, try to get to some football here during the coronavirus pandemic. Here's Dr. McLean. How can the NFL uh, play be played safely in this uh, pandemic? Well. That's a great question, and you, you, know, you have to answer it. Anyone who tells you otherwise uh, is crazy, but you have to answer it as we're not going to make it 100% safe. I mean, the sport itself is not 100% safe, but we do the best we can to mitigate the risk you know, of a, a concussion, uh, a broken neck, that sort of thing. What we're trying to do here, no one's saying we can eliminate the risk of coronavirus, but we're trying to mitigate the risk as much as possible. Hence the idea of regular testing so that, especially with a contact sport like the NFL, the idea is that assuming, and I know this is part of the breakdown or where there can be a breakdown, it's a big assumption, but assuming everyone is following the social distancing, the mask wearing guidelines, et cetera, outside of the game and outside of scrimmage and camp and whatnot, that when they do enter the game where there is obviously contact, 
that they've already been screened and they shouldn't be carrying the virus so it won't be a problem. That's the whole idea here that we have to address. And, and I think we're finding that, you know, and in hindsight, I, I can promise you we'll find even more that when, when we see the initial spike in, in um, cases when guys enter camp, first of all, that's expected. You know, that's, that's, the, that's where we've drawn a line. That's where the, the, um, the entrance is, if you will. And we're going to tease out. That's the whole purpose of the testing, to tease out these guys that are already infected. But after that, you know, these guys are supposed to be under more strict uh, regulations and lockdowns than the, the public at large. After that initial screening, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we expect guys to not be testing positive as long as they're executing the protocols. So, I, again, you know, this is what we're seeing now is not unusual. Uh, the NFL is in a great position because they have time to learn from the other league mistakes in terms of the way this is designed to see, oops, we forgot to, you know, make sure that the, the drivers of the vans were tested or screened or whatever. You know, we're going to work that out. And then I think a lot of the players are going to see what happens if you don't execute the plan. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one uh, guy, a baseball player, who admitted, he said, look, you know, July 4th, I went out and partied. Bless him, he, you know, he didn't do what he was supposed to do, but he admitted to it, and that's what you got to do to keep others from getting infected. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, widespread testing, I saw where the players want it to be every day, the owners every other day. Um, you know, um, what's the best way to test these guys? I think every other day is, is, is adequate. I mean, I think that's pretty aggressive. I think every day, I don't know why you need to push the limits. It, it costs... You know, if they're just doing, you know, one test or the other, meaning either a serological versus a molecular test, meaning are they testing for antibodies or are they testing the virus itself, you're still talking about 100 to maximum $200 a day, which isn't chump change. That's a lot of cold beer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think every other day is sufficient. Um, and, you know, again, that's not the... The, the, the entire key to this, it is one of the linchpins. I mean, the testing is, is, is invaluable, of course, but, you know, it's only going to turn up the people that aren't practicing what you're supposed to practice. And I don't mean football, I mean the protocols mm-hmm. uh, for preventing, you know, transmission of the virus. So, um, I, you know, my opinion is every other day is, is sufficient. Um, you know, the good thing that, that NFL has going for it is not only have they have more time to learn from the others' mistakes, but as we're finding out, um, you know, more and more treatments are popping up, whether it's monoclonal antibodies or these nanoparticles that they actually derive from llamas. Uh, you know, we're, we're, that, that's working in the NFL's favor for sure. Um, so, I, again, I, I don't see this, the season shutting down. I don't see there being an issue for the NFL. I, there really shouldn't be an issue with any of these leagues, um, unless they're really dropping the ball. And, of course, I'm not blaming just the league. The players have to drop the ball, too, for it to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So uh, the risk of injury, is that more uh, given, you know, if they didn't have their off season and so forth, and, you know, the players want to not play in the exhibition games and the uh, owners seem to want to play, too, I guess? Well, I mean, that's one of the things I've been telling my athletes from day one when this came out. I said, look, first of all, and then with not one of them did we have a problem. You know, they were asking me, how do I stay in shape, dog, now that I don't have access to the training facilities? You know, I'm 58, and most of these guys are, you know, half my age, if that. 
and, and they don't remember the old days when, you know, most of what you did was outside of fancy training facilities because we didn't even have any. So, you know, getting back to some of the basics, plyometrics and road work, you know, standard road work, we had to revisit that. But still, I told them, look, it's not the same specialized training you're used to. So, to your point, yeah, they might be coming in at, say, 85% of their max. you got to be careful. I told them, take three, six weeks to ramp up sufficiently so you don't get injured. Absolutely. Because that, that'll, that, that'll kill your season right there. Now, again, from what I just heard from you, that's not what I'm hearing from my players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, more of what I hear is, say, hey, let's get after it. There might be some, uh, what, there might be some um, idea that we'll use skipping exhibition games to protect me from injury in order to, uh, mm-hmm. for the players that are, uh, you know, a little nervous about uh the virus it might be an excuse is what I'm saying and, and not to point finger but you know, I, I, I would tell my players that's not why you would be avoiding the exhibition games again if everything's working the way it's supposed to you shouldn't be getting exposed in the games just because it's a contact sport um, but but that said you know in, in an exhibition if you play it like it's not an exhibition you can get in trouble yeah meaning just what I said don't, don't try and get to your 100% um, right off the bat you gotta give it time mm-hmm. And uh, there it is, Dr. Red McClain, laying out some of the uh, issues facing the NFL and the NFLPA. Now, we also had a uh, conference call with uh, the NFLPA uh, folks last week, and uh, we're going to play a little bit of that here from uh, from D. Maurice Smith, the executive director, and J.C. Treader, the Cleveland Browns Center, who's the president of the Players Union. We've been serious and, and a little bit hard-nosed with the league um, about making sure that um, all of our, our partners out there in the world um, who try to do the best by a group of people um, need to be heard. So, you know, as we're going forward, we certainly understand that given where we are, we've got to figure out the right balance um, about things. But... Um, your group and, and what you do with um, uh, along with everybody here, um, it's really important to us for, for two reasons. One, I'm a huge believer in the fifth estate, right, uh, about holding people accountable. Um, and two, um, making sure that we balance um, uh, to the best that we can where we nod, always nod in the favor of having access um, having interaction uh, with our league and with our players. So you're always going to find a receptive voice here. No, it's appreciated. JC, you have any opening remarks? If not, we can just jump into questions and then we might have a uh, waiting on a special uh, a special guest to jump on as well. But JC, anything? If not, there are three hands raised already. I just I thank everybody for being here. Uh, excited to talk to you all, and we can just jump right into it. Okay, let's do this. First hand raised. Let's go with Adam Beasley. Adam, Adam Beasley of the yourself. Miami Herald. Can you unmute him, George? On your Let me try. Yo, unmute button. Uh, <laughs> here he comes. Adam Beasley. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Gentlemen, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you now. All right, sorry. 
Thank you. Um, I cover the Dolphins in South Florida for the Miami Herald, and we're in the midst of a pretty big spike in coronavirus uh, here. I was curious, question for both of you, um, are you concerned about making having players come to South Florida right now? Has there been any discussions with the league about possibly moving the venue of Dolphins training camp? And if not, what safeguards are in place to make sure uh, pretty high infection rate doesn't affect the team? Yeah, well, um, all of our protocols and all the conversations that we have had with the league literally since we put our joint, uh, we put our task force together in mid-March, um, have been around how to operate as safely as possible um, in, in the middle of uh, a pandemic. Um, I'm sure back in uh, March, April, May, when, when JC and I put that task force together, there were always a few, a few implicit assumptions. I'm not sure there was any more implicit assumption than we all thought back then that things would trend in a more positive direction. Um, the reality is, in a lot of states right now, that is trend. That trend has been in a in an opposite um, in an opposite direction. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we started to raise alarms about the spikes in a number of jurisdictions, including yours. Um, and our job as the union is to hold the league accountable to, to making and providing as safe a workplace as possible. That culminated uh, last night, and I'll let JC weigh in, with, um, you know, as, far, as long as I've been on this job, the first time the union has ever uh, called for um, basically what amounted to an emergency meeting of all of the team doctors who are um, the head of, uh, of their medical practices for the teens in, in these quote-unquote hotspot areas to address that very question, uh, with those very questions. One, um, again, our job holding them accountable. How are you reaching a decision about whether and to what extent it is safe to start training camp in these hotspot areas? And what criteria are you going to use to continue to make decisions um, about whether um, um, and to what extent it, it's safe to continue to operate in these jurisdictions. Um, you've probably heard by now that the um, doctors um, and the league in two of those places have made decisions about pushing back uh, the start date for some of the, uh, for the rookies who are coming into those uh, places. Um, uh, JC, uh, uh, shared uh, the, the union's position in, in those meetings, and uh, you, you can you can weigh in on what those conversations um, were. Yeah, I mean, I'll first start with um, the fact that football isn't isn't in a bubble, uh, and the what goes on in our communities uh, has a direct effect on on how football works this year or if it can work this year, um, and, and it will be a constant. Uh, monitoring of, of what's going on in our local communities and um, you know our, our position was we have players uh, as we've spoken to our membership who uh, are, are nervous about flying from a relative safe location directly into a hotspot with their families with their kids with their wives um, and and that's a, a major concern of you know with stuff going on Houston as well Miami um, how, how safe is that? And, and you know, like like Dee said, our job is to hold the NFL accountable and have them answer those questions. 
Uh, and those are the questions we want answered are, are how safe is it to start back up a football season at this moment with locations in this country where teams are located um, going through giant spikes of this virus? Uh, and that has to be something that's, that's looked at uh, as we make any decision. Uh, the health and safety aspect has to be taken care of for the players first and foremost. All right, that was D. Marie Smith for J.C. Treader laying out the case for the union. Uh, then Saturday, the memo came out that uh, the teams were going to report rookies could come in on Tuesdays, vets and uh, uh, quarterbacks and injured vets on Thursday, and then vets on uh, next Tuesday, the 28th. And then the players were, like, outraged and had a uh, Twitter campaign uh, saying, that, hey, there's no way we can come back. Uh, you know, we want to play, but not with none of these uh, protocols and things taken care of. So let's look at those. Uh, the acclimation period, that's uh, been taken care of. I don't think they're going to play any games. They're going to get daily testing for um, two weeks. Uh, some teams are, you know, doing it once the, to get there. And then instead of two in 24 hours, the one in, uh, on the first day, then on the fourth day to get the negative test pass so then they could tell that they're clean uh no exhibition games and the big thing is the money part opting out if you decide hey you know i don't want to play you know uh do, do i get to you know you're, you're gonna get paid probably not if you decide hey i can't do this uh my wife's pregnant like russell uh, wilson said and uh you know d does that year count towards your uh, you know, all these financials, does that count towards your, uh, you know, pension or not? Uh, if you opt out, I'm thinking you're opting out without uh, pay. Now, you opt out right away. If you opt out later, if you get in there in two couple weeks, you're like, oh, man, it's too much. I can't do this. Uh, you know, what are those rules? So th they're still ironing out some things. But some of the key issues the players were fussing about, the acclimation period, coming off of a season where nobody worked out basically or they worked out on their own and did the best they could uh they don't want to go straight to games straight to exhibition games that don't mean anything so we're going to see like college here where they go straight into the season it looks like uh, with the acclimation period the daily testing for two weeks i don't know if that's enough to appease the players are they going to show up on wednesday or tuesday or walk out i don't know they we haven't seen this union be. Um, they've been pressed a couple times here in the last decade, and they, they haven't uh, stood up to it. They went on and got their checks. Uh, so no exhibition games, opt out. Those are, those are the key issues. And uh, thanks to Dr. McClain and Damari De De Smith and J.C. Treader for helping us out with that. So yesterday, the uh, rookies all signed, Falcon signed, and they are, to our knowledge, in Flowery Branch today getting tested uh, before um, getting anything started. We're thinking, uh, you know, we'll just get as much information as we can out of the rookies. Uh, they had 20 undrafted guys, the six draft picks. Everybody signed last night. Uh, they're ready to go. They want to get going. Uh, get them out on the field as quick as possible and then follow the protocols. So we started our countdown to camp. I sent my boss a email. I was like, hey, I, 
I started and stopped about three or four times on doing our countdown to training camp that we do about 10 days out every year. Uh, but he said, go ahead and do it. Let's go. So uh, you got a story online right now about uh, Coach Quinn's revamped coaching staff. They were just going to roll right through the positions on what are some of the issues that the Falcons will be facing when they do get to whatever this training camp is going to look like. Starting with the uh, the coaches, then we go special teams, defensive backs, linebackers, defensive line, offensive line, wide receivers, tight end. Uh, we're going to go defensive line and quarterback on the same day. We're going to do Matt Ryan there. And then uh, offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. So we finish on the 30th but because uh, we were thinking that would be our first day of practice, but now the protocols got pushed back. Looks like that's going to be uh, August the 3rd. August the 3rd. That's a one. The first is a Saturday. Second, that'll be a Monday. So we got a couple weeks to, you know, count it all the way down before we see uh, what's going to look like. And then we probably won't be seeing much because they're going to be uh, doing their off-season program for three weeks now since to get everybody in shape and everything. So we'll see how that goes. And I know the uh, union, he talked about being a friend of the fifth estate and everything, but then they don't want any interviews. So that kind of, he's talking out the side of both sides of his neck. Uh, the union insisted on no face-to-face -face interviews with the media, uh, even though it's in their contracts. Uh, the league office fought for the media to get us Zoom interactions, and hopefully we'll get as, as much as we can for you. But, uh, you know, it's a pandemic. We'll work with with them but uh, i would have thought the league would the union would have been more amenable to the people who cover the team and make these players the brands that they are uh, but we'll we'll move on from uh here and push as much as we can as things get better to make sure we get back to our old access levels Fourth, the All-Decade team. That came out on Monday. No surprise there. I figured out on air last week during the Bowtie Chronicles podcast that, uh, hey, um, what are we going to do at guard? And I was like, ah, I got it. Levitre and Blaylock. Just pick two left guards. And that's what happened. Uh, that's what that's what happened. We got both of them uh, on the team. Uh, quarterback wasn't no surprise. Matt Ryan. Running back, just a little bit surprised. I saw some of the Falcon fans saying Turner shouldn't have got it over Freeman. Of course, I was bumping for Turner, so I usually win. And, um, you know, Freeman made it as a flex player, not the running back, because uh, I thought uh, Turner did a better job. DeMarco was a fullback. Pat DeMarco, he made it to a Pro Bowl, so good luck for him. Uh, out of South Carolina, he's one of the good kids that uh, has made a good career for himself. We knew the wide receivers were Julio Roddy and tight end was Tony G. And then along the line, Jake Matthews at tackle, uh, Blaylock Levitre, the guards, Mack at center, and my man Tyson Claybo won at right tackle. So Tyson was, uh, he started as a guard, uh, but then um, ended up being pretty good at uh, right tackle there and got a contract. Uh, his agent was Chad Speck and uh uh, did a, went on to have a really good career out of Wake Forest. So that was uh, good to see Tyson Claybo on the uh, Falcons All-Decade team. 
Now, dates and so forth. It's our fifth fight of the day. We're going to wrap it up here. How's the How the NFL can play during the pandemic. I think you heard the doctor talk about all that testing being a whole bunch of cold beer. He's a pretty uh, personable doctor. DeMarie Smith talking about loving the fifth estate, but then letting the players get away with not uh, doing their media obligations this year uh, in person. We don't need to really be in the locker room. We're fine with them kicking us out of the locker room. We understand what that is, but we still uh, need them. You know, we still want to be the conduit from the players to the fans uh, in these times. So we'll see how that goes. Doesn't sound good right now, but we'll keep pushing. The daily issues, acclamation, daily testing, exhibition games, opt-out clause. We got the rookies. The rookie sign, signing ready to go. AJ Terrell at all. Got to count on him. Marlon Davidson, they're counting on him. Uh, then we got uh, um, Matt Hennessy. He's going to be in competition at left guard there. So we'll see how this goes. The other rookies can help on special teams. Hawkins and uh, Walker and uh, Hoffrichter. And we'll see the undrafted guys will be at a real disadvantage uh, with no games. I don't know how they're going to do that. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll pack some of them on the uh, on the uh, practice squad, expanded practice squad. So with that, we're going to wrap up here with the 100, 201st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to count it on down to camp. Hopefully, I'll get this testing right, get everybody situated and clean, and we can get on to some football. They got to keep them clean in camp. They got to keep them clean when they go home. Anybody goes out uh, into the public, they better let them know right away so they don't get everybody infected. Take care and have a great rest of the week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.